Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Surprise. Have anybody seen Bambi when well, the first time he went on ice? <laughs> I thought I was going through the glass. It was dangerous. Um, anyway, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And so, sometimes there's surprises. And, and the Christmas story for me holds lots of surprises. And, um, but the problem is that we either mythologize, romanticize, or fantasize or secularize the story. And uh, because most of you have all read the Christmas story, you think you know what it's all about. But we have to have to come back to a place where the Lord would allow his light to give us revelation of the day in which we live from from the story. We live between two advents. He came, he's coming again. Between the two advents, there's an event that's going to take place. It's called the rapture of the church. There's going to be a catching away. And instantly after that takes place, there will be mass demonization on the earth. We need to be living not in light that he came, but that he's coming again. Any moment. He'll either come in the twinkling of an eye or with the sound of a trumpet. And then actually that will be both. It'll be both. So when we read the scriptures, sometimes we find them a little bit confusing. And the reason for that, it's not because God is hiding something from us. He's trying to reveal something to us. So, so the truth is not hidden The issue is our spiritual blindness. And without light coming, the psalmist said that the entrance of your word brings light. And when light pierces the darkness of our heart, we'll be able to see not just the day in which we're living, but also how we are meant to live. One of the characteristics of these days, a primary characteristic, Jesus made it very clear Do not be deceived. And the reason he made that clear is because of the potential of deception. Moving along. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I like to look at the character lineup and the stories. And and I usually try to, I do a little trivia with myself. So I'm not sure how much you know about the story or not. But just little, you know, for trivia's sake, who, who knows the name of Joseph's dad? Oh, this afternoon you can go read about that. Who knows Mary's mother's name? Here's a hint, Healy Hansen. Do you know who Joseph's grandpa was? Because it's all there in the Christmas story. It's fascinating to... Read it over again. And um, how many words did the angel give to Joseph? Do you know how many words he gave to him? 
He basically, one word, your wife is right. <laughs> anyway, I love the supernatural parts of the, of the Christmas story. But I want to just say this, is that the first advent was filled with impossible events. It was a, it's a supernatural story of the encounter and the entrance of the king of glory who steps out of deity. And I'm sure the angels were talking among themselves, pick a different planet, not that one. Not that little blue one there, it's just so full of darkness. And he comes. We're told in Isaiah that a child was born and a son was given. And, and one of his names of the child and the son would be Mighty God. This isn't like no ordinary birth. It's a supernatural of the king, supernatural advent of the king of glory. The issue is this, is we think we can get to God. The point is this, is no, no, no. He has come to us. Emmanuel. God with us. Uh, I want you to turn in Isaiah chapter 8. And, um, and, 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 you know, Lord, just let something pierce the darkness of our hearts so we can see fresh revelation from your word today. Chapter 9. Um, nevertheless, a time of darkness and despair will, go on, will not go on forever. Land of Zebulon and Naphtali soon be humbled. There'll be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people, verse 2, that walk in darkness will see a great light. A light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts its shadow. You know, we live in a land where the shadow of death is cast. Now, what does he mean by light, that light has come? What do, what do they mean by death? Um, there's a few of these things that run very deeply in the story of Jesus coming. Verse 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. That has not happened yet. Government's not resting on his shoulders yet. But a child was born, a son was given. And they, he'll have royal titles, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And his ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. I, those of you who are reading through the Bible, you read through Gen, uh, Daniel chapter 7 this week. It's one of the most profound prophecies about the coming of Messiah. And he... And he, he, he actually is given a vision. I think that in the first um, six chapters, there's six stories, and many of you know about the story of the lion and that, and the, the angel of the Lord shutting his mouth. But he gives a picture of one seated on the throne. I wonder if I could just find it. I just sat, when I, when I read this, I just sat for a moment and went, wow, Daniel chapter 7. And I watched as, as thrones were put in place, and the ancient one, he calls Jesus the ancient one, sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow. His hair was like white as wool. And he sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. Uh, is that real? And, it was, and a river of fire flowed from his presence. Millions of angels 
Uh, you need to switch on your godly imagination when you're reading through some of these visions of Daniel. He, they, it, it freaked him out. It freaks me out when I read them. Millions of angels ministered to him. Millions. That's a lot. Mo, like, mo, not thousands. Millions. And a hundred million stood to attend him. Then the court session was open. Wow! He's refer- this, this whole chapter is about a promised one would come. Um, it, it wasn't a surprise because in the Old Testament, we were given 300, over 300 clear prophetic statements of Christ's coming. Over 300. So this shouldn't have been a surprise. The issue was that people were lacking the light to be able to see who he was when he came and how he came. And it's honestly the story, and and I've been told by scholars that for every one prophecy of the Old Testament, uh, 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 sorry, every one prophecy of his coming from the Old Testament, there's eight of his second coming. The ratio is eight to one. His coming will not be of any surprise to anybody that's sitting here today because we're students of the word. We got our eyes open and his light has penetrated the darkness of our soul. Therefore, our eyes are open to see what's taking place around us. I'm gonna pray that towards the end. It says the time in which he came in Isaiah chapter eight, he says there's a time in which he come, when, when he was going to come. It says, um, um, I and the children, uh, verse 8, verse 19. So why are you trying to find out the future by consulting mediums and psychics? Don't listen to their whisperings or their mutterings. Can the living find out the future from the dead? Why not ask God? <laughs> We're living in a time where people are looking for answers. The answers are found in the scriptures. But they're also found all around us. This is why I like the Christmas song, Let Heaven and Nature Sing. Because heaven is under the authority right now of the Most High God, but earth is under the authority of man. So <clears throat> this, in order for, a, so here, here's, here's the, the other point I want to make this morning. Um, for a promise to be fulfilled, we can't, try and control the process of its fulfillment. When the Lord brings a word to us of direction, like he just gave to Austin, you may as well just let the word work and not try to force it into something that it was never intended to. One of the reasons why many people get disappointed is because in their time of prayer and intercession, they also have in their mind how they would like to see that unfold. So, so there's lots of impossible things that happen in this story of the first advent. But it required truth and trust to get along together. So when we get a word from the Lord to do something, to make a step this way or that way, we have to let go of the natural, carnal impulse to try and control how it happens. This is a very, very big deal. It's not a small deal. Mary would say this, Lord, let it be according to your word. This is how prophetic words happen. And we are a prophetic people, did you know? We live on promises. 
Our relationship with the Lord is based on covenant. That means he's going to confine himself to an agreement, a contractual agreement that includes his blood. That's the difference between a contract and a covenant, blood. A great light will shine on those living in darkness. That's us today. A child is born, a son is given. If there was ever any doubt about the father's love, it would be removed on the night of the first advent. When a child was born, a son was given. There's no mother, first-time mother, who ever dreams of their child's entry being in a cold feeding trough, far away from home, far away from family, and surrounded by scandal. Her hopes, I've not been a mom, (laughs) just to be clear. (laughs) No, I don't want to say it. I don't think I should say it, should I? No, I shouldn't, okay. I mean, it's obvious, right? Okay, is that enough? Okay, okay, okay. Woman's a woman, man's a man. Um, Okay, the hopes are of a warm bed, maybe mom holding her hand, a midwife handy, husband and neighbors maybe crowded outside the door. It's the first. Uh, No one will ever know what was worse, the pain in her back or the pain in her heart. Her family was likely skeptical of the bizarre events surrounding the pregnancy, as likely was her husband or her fiancé. There's a lot of questions that are left unanswered and out of the teenager's control. No mother would have ever chosen an entrance like this. I tend to feel with Joseph how much he would have wanted something better. He's probably off to the side heating up some water while she's clearing the straw. Because in moments, a son would arrive. And a young teenage son would cup the feet, the little feet, likely in one hand, that had been those same feet that had been skywalking for centuries since the creation of the earth. And while the innkeeper had no place for her son, millions after would find a place in their heart. And while they found themselves far from home, their son would find himself much, much further from home. It was complex, scandalous pregnancy, government census. But how did it start? It began with a word. This is where it starts, with a word. We used to have a prophet that traveled here. His name was Fergus, Fergus, Fergus McIntyre. He used to say, God will offend your head just to get to your heart. Matthew, the book of Matthew was written to Jewish, the Jewish people to prove that Jesus was the son under the Abrahamic covenant as well as under the Davidic covenant. And so when we open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, um, many of us likely skip through the genealogies, but it's really fascinating if you're willing to go a little bit slow. I I find it intriguing every year. This is like a resume, right? So in ancient culture, and (laughs) y'all know that, you know, nobody tells the truth on their resumes anyway. Never look as good as on a resume. But he, he does, Matthew does something very different here is he actually includes some things that you probably wouldn't want on your family tree. 
And he includes not only Gentiles, but prostitutes and scandal. It's interesting because he's trying to prove the priestly lineage of the promise, promise one that was come, and it begins by saying the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he, he, he takes us through a fascinating uh, story, and, and it's filled with understatement. I find it fascinating. And he, um, one of those, you know, he includes like salmon. Did you know that? Did you ever read that before? Where it's like salmon. The, we had salmon last night. Thank you for that delivery. Uh, salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, prostitute. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, uh, the king. Love it you put that in there. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. This is one of the great understatements in Scripture. Where's, what? Who's he talking about? Well, the wife of Uriah. <laughs> You know, you know that Uriah wasn't blood because you have to prove blood. This is pedigree. There's four reasons why you would have a genealogy. One was for inheritance. If you couldn't prove your genealogy, you couldn't prove inheritance. Neither could you prove any kind of royal or priestly lineage. Uh, and neither, and also, without, without a genealogy, you wouldn't know where to go to be, pay your tax. Uh. <laughs> It's just so fascinating, though, to, when you read about this, because he, so, so this is just a, it's, I think it's humorous, anyway, and David, the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. Uriah's mentioned, Bathsheba isn't. It's just interesting. It doesn't mean much. It's just interesting. I, I, but I find the story fascinating. Um, next week, we might have more trivia, so just read up on it. Verse 16, and then verse 16, and then it says this, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. So who was Jesus' father? Swords drawn? <laughs> so he doesn't, the, the father's name is not mentioned. The mother is. Why? Because the father was not an earthly father. Father was the heavenly father. It's beautiful. And then, and then he says this. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation of Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Why is that important? To Hebrew scholars, they would know exactly what they meant because the name, the numbers, because there's a, a, a numerical equivalent to every Hebrew letter. And the Hebrew equivalent of the name of David, it's D-V-D. D, the equivalent is four. V is six. And D is four. Has the light come? Is the light coming on? Long before Jesus came, there was a promise of his coming. Long, long before him coming again, there's promise of him coming. He is the consummate, the penultimate promise keeper. He's coming again. Um, we are people of promise. Uh, how would we ever miss the second coming? Spiritual blindness. William Blake said, none are so blind as those who will not see. Did you know that it's not possible for you to see something 
that you don't want to. It's not possible. You can, you can actually not see something. Why? Because you don't want to do something with it. Did you know that? Did you know that? That you won't see something. This is our ability to justify and deceive ourselves. Once you see something, then you're accountable for it. Am I right? I just want to say this, is that the light has come. Not only are you able to spot God around you on a regular basis, but you're able to see and know what to do if your heart is open to obey what he's asking you to do. Otherwise, you won't see it. If you see it, you will deny that you saw it. John would say this, says that light has come, but men love darkness more than light. Why won't we see something in the light? Because we love darkness. Where am I going with this? I'm not sure. But I do know that if you're not interested in seeing in the light, you won't. It's up to you. If you're interested in a revelation of what God is doing and saying today in your life, in your family, in your own personal world, you're able to. Jesus said this, I have come to restore sight to the blind. Jesus is in your world to reveal to you not only what he's doing, but what he would want you to do as well. Without a doubt, the acceleration of the second coming has increased. Our, our primary defense against deception is what? Truth. Your primary defense against deception is truth. There's, there was a little weight to that. I thought I'd let that rest. Mark chapter... Mark chapter, um, the beginnings of all of these are fascinating. In the, the beginning, Mark chapter 1, the ESV, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Uh, so, so don't get upset with Mark. He's going on memory. So he doesn't, what he quotes now is he quotes two prophetic words. One from Isaiah, one from Malachi. Before Jesus came, there was a promise. Before he comes again, there is promise. And he also sent a forerunner. Before Jesus came, he sent Johnny B. As it is written, so before he came, in the, before he came, there was a word. As we read the scriptures, you know what? The Lord speaks to us from his word. And then we get to make a decision whether we're going to obey it or not. In the, in, the beginning of, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I'll send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make, the, make his paths straight. He, he cobbles together two prophetic words, one from Isaiah and one from Malachi. The one in Isaiah doesn't have the passage about preparing the way of the Lord. Uh, that's okay. The, the, today's Passion Translation it's the only one that God brought today, apparently. Well, welcome, everybody, online. This is the beginning of the wonderful news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's a big announcement. It's a big announcement. 
And as we see at the end of Matthew, he says this, he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. What am I trying to say? I'm saying that the Lord's word is true and it requires our agreement and our approval in order for it to come to pass on the earth. Before Jesus came, there was all these mysterious, seemed like mysterious, enigmatic, kind of hidden words and none of us could have been able to figure them all out. What do you mean? Is it real? Will a, will a virgin conceive? What? How's that even work? We don't know. We don't have many precedents, nor since do we have a precedent. But he said, it's my word, and because it's my word, whatsoever I send it forth to do will be accomplished. With the word is the ability and the power to fulfill the word. I just preaching myself happy. I feel so good. Matthew reminds the readers of this string of crazy events that took place. Angels tell Joseph that he's going to be a dad, but not in a primary sense, in sort of a secondary sense. She will have a son, and you will call him Jesus, and others will call him Emmanuel, God with us. How, how, how would he prepare the way? This is just such a fascinating thing. I want you to think about this. If you journal, put at the top of your journal the way, because he's preparing the way. What is the way? Don't answer, just meditate on that. Say la, it. Let it settle. It, it, it's, it, honestly, the Lord wants to speak to you more than you want to hear, but if you allow the word to sit with you for a minute, something will happen. I often try and either pray in the spirit or I try, I try to move my heart into faith so I can go, okay, go like, what's going on? And you know what happens? Because the Lord wants to show you. And so as you sit there with the word for a little bit, and sometimes I have to sit a long time, but we're to be still and know that he's God. What's the way? He said, prepare the way. What's he referring to? Don't presume that you know. That's dangerous. Jesus said, oh, those, you're blind because you think you can see. So we have to repent of our arrogance that we think we know what we're seeing. At which point, your spiritual eyes may be open. He says, I'm going to prepare the way. What's the way? Is it a, is it a road? What's the way? I don't know if you've read through this fast or not, but Johnny B comes ahead, and what's he doing? He's preparing the way. Life and light to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Um, John chapter 1 he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you, this, this, I don't know if you, if you, as a student of Scripture, this sounds a lot like Genesis, does it not? Only he doesn't say, in the beginning, God. But he says, in the beginning, the Word. This is profound. Um, if you're interested in the interplay between light and darkness, the language of creationment, cosmic symbology in Genesis, if you're a brainiac, I would suggest that you get this. I'm at page 35, and I'm, what's going on? <laughs> After the service, you can ask Gord what it means. 
He gave it to me. He's probably read it through twice. I'm on page 35. Slow going, baby. But, if, but you'll find when you read in the book of Genesis in the beginning, he says, he says this, and he, and he says, let there be light. He didn't say let there be sun, moon, and stars. That's not for four verses later. What just happened there? I don't know. I've been sitting with this all week, and I don't know. What happened? Some of you might have some answers. I'd be interested in them. If you have a word, you have within that word the ability to fulfill that word. Why? Because it says here in John chapter 1 that the word has creative power. But you're going to have to let the word do the work. Christmas is a class of cultures. I love all the lights. And I, I often go walking at night. I think it's, it's, it's the only secular holiday that overlaps with a sacred holiday. It's the only one. Every bulb is a statement to me. Most of us saying, um, but you can get it confused. I, lo- I love the words offspring of a virgin's womb, born to give us second birth. Now, there's other, I know there's rocking around the Christmas tree and grandma got ran over by a reindeer and Dominique the donkey or something. I mean, they're, give, they're giving it the best world they can, but if you're not careful, honestly, if you're not careful, you, you can secularize Christmas pretty quick. But it's a miracle that took place because a word was given. And what's the Lord doing? He's attending to his word. You know what he's doing today? He's attending to his word. I'm going to pray for light to be released today. What if we use the signs of the seasons to retell the story? How God delivers on his promises. Not that he came, but that he's coming again. What if we used every opportunity we had for that purpose? The potential of Christmas can be leveraged by us all. Um, when you look at John, you, you read, here's your homework. In chapter 1, there's seven, seven different titles of Jesus as God in chapter 1. 36 times in the book of John, he uses the word light. Light is an essential element for life. You can interchange life, love, and light throughout Scripture. Uh, What's required for life? You need air, you need food, you need water, and you need light. Jesus was all of them. He was not just all of them. He's not just the way. He's actually the outcome as well. This is so paradoxical. And so you read down a little further. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light. That's us. That, he, that, we, that all may believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Light has come. Problem? We like darkness. Can I, you know, here's a hunch. This is, this is lornology, not theology. My hunch is that we live in the days when it's not nearly as easy to worship or to sacrifice or to serve or to witness or to give or to care. My sense is that the reason it's got a little bit harder is because you and I are going to have to muster up a little bit more strength from within to do the things the Lord's asked us to do. 
Shoot, just showing up at church seems hard for people. We just love you online. Everybody online right now, we just want to send our heartfelt <laughs> bless you. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm saying that it's a little bit harder to do stuff than we used to be able to do it. I just, you, you know, suck it up, princess. We're just going to have to str- get ourselves strengthened, find our encouragement and strength in the Lord, and show up and shine. I don't mean just attending church. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you, if you be, decide to be a, a reflection of that light at a family meeting, you might get, you might get a little bit shot down. Because there's lots of opinions. Everybody's got opinions. There's like socks. They just smell worse than others. They all got opinions. All right, let me just move on. Let there be light. First John says that this is, the, this is the issue. I wonder if I can find that. I think I marked it. Here's the issue. It says, this is a message that he has given us to announce to you that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. One of the things that God can't do, he can't live in darkness. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but we're living in spiritual darkness. When he says lights come, he means that spiritual light has come, not light. Are you with me? This is a metaphor. Are you with me? Yeah, right? And what happens when light comes, darkness can never Once light comes, darkness will never extinguish it. A little light is stronger than a lot of darkness. Well, well, the thing is, you can measure light because it's a substance. You can't measure darkness. I do not have a degree in quantum mechanics, so I'll leave that alone. Heaven and nature sing. Many times when I, most of the time when I pray at night, uh, I, I'm, I just thank the Lord for the day. And I'll often just pray in the spirit. But you know what often happens? I'm coming to another point and then I'll wrap it up. I got four more minutes. Here's what often happens. Heaven and nature begin to sing to me. I don't know if you, so when I, I, when I go for a walk, I expect the Lord to say something. Because we're, we're quiet. And you know what often happens? So many times I've had wild animals just walk right up to me. It's the wildest thing. Right where we're living right now, I had, there's this big bull moose. And it was just like he was as gentle as the Holy Spirit. And I was thankful I had fresh shorts at home because... He just, you know, have you seen a, when a bull moose walks? They kind of lumber along. And this bull moose was... And I've had coyotes walk up to me. What's going on? Heaven and nature singing. And I'll go, Lord, what's that mean? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Heaven and nature are singing. And heaven and nature sing. What took place at the first advent? Heaven started to sing. And it's so interesting to me what took place. And this is, uh, I might just scoot back to uh, Matthew. It, it, he says, this is how it's going to happen. Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. And uh, interesting in the, uh, today's Passion Translation, I've always thought that Bethlehem meant, of course, house, Beth, Lachem meant bread, but Lachem can also mean fighter. He was born in the house of fighters. Uh, During the reign of King Herod, Herod was a nutcase, like just a nutcase. About the time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, I love this statement, where is the newborn king, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth? Who's the newborn king? Where's the newborn king? Why? Because we have seen his star as it arose, and we've come to worship. How do pagan priests worship? 
heaven and nature was singing. He said, we can't help it. We've, I want you to get this point. The star didn't get them to Jesus. The star got them to Jerusalem. Once they got to Jerusalem, they needed a word. When they got to Jerusalem, they, he, they, they, Herod, deeply disturbed, rightly so, egotistic, prideful, megalomaniac. He, he was disturbed by their question, where's the newborn king? And he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah was going to be born? born? Where does he say he was going to come? Where did the star get them? Got them to Jerusalem. What did they need to get to Jesus? Listen, there's lots of people that have had nature speak to them. You can see God in a sunrise. You can see God in a brand new baby. You can see God in a sunset. You can see God at the ocean. You, but we need a revelation from the word of God to get us to Jesus. It's not enough that you have a revelation of nature. You need a revelation of Jesus. It got hit. And here's what can happen. Here's what can happen when you get a word that you don't want to obey. Here's what will happen. It turns into anger. King Herod had a word. And he had a handful of Zoroastrian priestly astrologers from Iran show up with a whole bunch of, like an entourage of hundreds of people, not three, they disturbed the whole city. Three men on horseback or camels don't disturb a city. So what happens? Men love darkness more than they love light. Herod has a word. Jesus is just over yonder. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. Probably on Dominic the donkey, that would take about an hour and a half. the leading priests who studied the Torah. He's coming. Oh, he's here. Just over on the other hill. Just go through the Hedron Valley and up the other side. And what did they do? They knew. What did they do? Stayed where they were. What did Herod do with the word that he was given? Heaven and nature were singing. What did he do with the word he was given? He used it to, as, a, as the Bethlehem massacre for his own selfish purposes. I don't know if you're hearing me this morning. I don't know if you're getting what I'm trying to put out there. I'm trying to say that even if we're students of the word, we can choose to use it for selfish means. And what it'll turn into ultimately will be blood on somebody's hands because we have not rightly divided the word of truth, we have used it instead for the death, in his case, of unborn babies. You'd think I'd be done by now. Where's a newborn king? Here's what happens. Pride, oh Jesus, Pride will blind you to the truth because pride will not be taught. I'm no different than anybody else. I find myself more prideful than I ever thought. My Bible says that 
the dominant spirit that's against people today is pride. He says, I, I resist the proud. Help us, Lord. Pride couldn't find Jesus because it focused on itself rather than on the Savior. When ego is threatened, it turns into anger and rage. One of this, did you know that pride hides? Not that, that sounds nice, but it's not nice. Pride can hide. One of the, one of the, one of the, one of the ways it hides is through insecurity. Because it's focused on self. Johnny B message, prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus was the way, he's also the outcome. The, the message is, is more like this, get out of the way. It's more get out of the way. <clears throat> when we see the unpleasant, the imperfect, the unusual, and the impossible, we tend to think, how is God ever going to make this happen? Maybe you were in a situation like that. How is the Lord ever going to move the pieces around so that it's, the how is not up to you? Truth and trust have to hold hands. I got to trust the process, not try and control the process. It's, it, it's my, when I get my hands on it, I'll try and control it. Any of you have kids or prodigals, don't try and control the process. Anybody need a relational miracle? Don't try and control the process. Anybody need a financial miracle? Don't try and control the process. We have a word on provision. We have a word on promise. We have, we have covenant. When you read the Christmas story, it's like everything before this ever happened so that everything about this moment could happen. I want you to see the profound impossibility of all the events taking place. Because the message is not that we're able to find God. The message is that he was, in fact, able to find us. That's the message. It would be a, it would be a statement of, hu of humility if you had a t-shirt that says, I have what it takes. Because you have him. You have all you need. But you're going to have to trust him. Some of you are facing decisions that look impossible. And you don't know for the world you, how is this ever going to work out? I want to declare today that light has come. If you're in the middle of a decision and you're wondering, how in the world are we ever going to do this? Wow, that hurt. How, how, hey, no, but I'm here to say, you don't have to try and figure it out. In fact, you're better off not to try and figure it out. I, you know what? I know, here's what I know. I know I'm healed in Jesus' name. The manifestation hasn't quite happened yet because I'm not sure exactly how he's going to do it. I talked to a person the other day. I'm getting into, uh, injections of mistletoe. Do you know where mistletoe comes from? It comes from wormwood. And it's a cyto, it's cytotoxic. It actually kills cancer. Um, did, you know, did you know another great thing? Frankincense, its original name is Botswellia. That's, the, that's the, its name. And Botswellia is one of the best anti-inflammatories there is. That has zero bearing on what I'm gonna, trying to wrap up with. I just failed as a nice little rabbit trail. <laughs> There's a disclaimer, I'm not a health practitioner. 
But you know what? The Lord might ask you to do something that's a little bit different, a little bit strange, or a little bit odd, or a little bit funny. He might ask you to do something that seems a little bit, uh, you know, uncomfortable, a little bit unpleasant. I'm sure that Mary would have thought in her heart, okay, the King of glory is about to come through me. Man, here we are in Bethlehem. I don't know. No room at the inn. Hmm. What are we going to do? At least what could happen is we could see the provision and the providence of God by pro providing like a, I don't know, a doctor, like an angel. Shouldn't something have happened? But here's what she did instead. She said, I'm going to trust the process. And the result was the Savior of the world, God with us. I know we like to think we know what we're doing and what the outcome could be. I want to lay hands on people that need light today. Because if he said, if I would command darkness to leave today, as I lay hands on people and they see darkness leaving, that darkness in fact would leave. I don't know what your darkness is. I don't care. You don't have to explain it to me. But you have to have enough nerve to walk to the front and receive me laying on of hands. I know it sounds foolish. So does dipping in the water would to, did to name. I know. But I'm here to say the evidence is this, is light has come. I know we love darkness, but if you will take a step of faith, I know that darkness will leave today. I tell you, I, f I, just, I feel it right. To this. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.